0: Hey folks, Jonathan Tannenwald here. Welcome to a special Phillies spring training preview edition of not another Philly sports talk show. That's right. You get a bonus batch of cynicism this week from your friendly neighborhood podcast team. Well, sort of. I gave up the producer's chair to David Murphy this time and he welcomed in our Phillies beat writers, Matt Gelb and Matt Breen to take a look at the big talking points heading toward Clearwater. Yes, there's still a few weeks until pitchers and catchers report, but there's also two feet of snow on the ground, and it's really cold out, so if you're bored or stranded at home because your street hasn't been plowed yet, or whatever, settle in for the next hour or so and enjoy. We'll be back later in the week for our regular show. I don't know what we'll be talking about yet, but as ever, we'll figure something out. Oh, and sorry for some of the microphone issues we had during this recording they should be fixed by the next time we're on air. And listen.
1: Sometimes in life, this is for Philly El! You have to make extremely
0: difficult and soul-searching. Who's the world champion? Decisions Big flyer. We talking about practice, world champion.
2: Welcome to another edition of Not Another Philly Sports Talk Show. I'm David Murphy, columnist with the Philadelphia Daily News, joined by two uh Phillies beat writers. Is that your official titles? Co-beat writers.
1: Beat writer. Do you realize this is an exclusive for the podcast? I think the very first exclusive. This is this is my first interview I'm giving since returning to the Phillies well, beat. This
2: is Matt Gelb.
1: It's the first interview I've ever given.
2: This is Matt Breen. Um, Gelb 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 went the whole uh, jo- Joaquin Phoenix route and and disappeared into the ether. What were you doing during your time in exile, Matt?
1: Well, I spent a year on the Philadelphia Inquirer's City Desk writing news and features. It was a good year. Got to see some things I'd never seen. Uh, got to do some stories about some real-life people.
2: You're going to write a memoir about it?
1: I don't think so. I didn't grow my hair out, though. I just gained a lot of weight.
2: You look fine to me. I don't know. And Matt Breen covered the Phillies last year for this uh, Philadelphia Inquirer. Matt.
3: Doing good. Glad to be here, Dave. Good to see
2: you. All right. Good to see Matt back. My Mike Sealski will be back in the saddle again. Um, it's it's currently Tuesday. Mike Sielski will be back recording a Eagle-centric podcast on Wednesday. We're going to talk Phillies. It's a uh, interesting year for the gang. Gelb, I remember uh, walking through the Atlanta airport with you after the 2013 season, 14 season, uh, and you essentially saying, I can't go through another year of this.
1: <laughs> it's amazing how much changed in one year the Phillies have basically fundamentally changed the way they do business on every level and that is that is interesting
2: is that why you decided to come back
1: no I I decided to come back because I love baseball I missed it and I think uh, uh, I've heard from a lot of readers and a lot of listeners and tweeters and uh, it's good to be back, and, and I'm excited to be able to tackle some but some it, new stories, some new people, some new things. But it
2: was anyway, and I hope this is not like off the record. This wasn't an off, an off the record conversation. But Kelvin and I were walking back from the rental car counter at the Atlanta Hartsfield International Airport, and it was 2013, and and it just looked like nothing was going to change for this team. Or it's 2014, and just like nothing was going to change for this team, and nothing did change for this team, and it just it got to that point uh, Breen, I don't know if you felt it or not, but after covering the team every day for five or six years, and then it just felt like a two or three year stagnation where there was no point to even show up. With, like, it took me, it took a lot of willpower just to get to the ballpark on like the three times I went last year. <laughs> There's just no reason to watch the team. It
1: really, it really is a struggle. You truly <laughs> are living the
2: struggle yeah. guys. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not a hero. I've never claimed to be a hero. Uh, but no, seriously, it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a breath of fresh air right now. Uh, why do you think that is, Kelp?
1: There's some changes at the top. I think a realization that there was finally, uh, they squeezed as much as they could out of the, the former core. And I think just there have been fundamental changes to the game itself. I mean, the production in this game is now coming from players under the age of 30. Mm-hmm. The shift is dramatic. The value is in these players who are under 30. Free agency is no longer viewed as the, uh, you know, cure-all to build a winning team. And I think uh, there were some changes at the top of this franchise. John Milton, the owner, is more involved. David Montgomery has stepped aside. Andy McPhail is in. Matt Klintock is in. They're hiring guys who are under 40 years old in the front office, which has not happened, really.
2: Let's talk about Klintock, because when they first hired McPhail, my reaction was— typical phillies i mean this was an establishment guy just the kind of guy that you pictured them representing change you know this was their idea of a shake-up to the establishment to bring in andy mcphail who was was the golden child whiz kid in 1980 and this was this was their get younger get better get more progressive bring him in and and i'll give him credit I expected him to come in here and just kind of rubber stamp everything and say, you're doing a heck of a job, Ruben, you know, the course has been set We're, you know, smooth sailing from here on forward, much the way, much the way Jerry Colangelo has done with Sam Hinky to a certain extent, uh, you know, almost more of a PR move than anything else. But I mean, Clintac is not just Clintac but as you mentioned, the guys he's hired, what do you know about them? and, and uh, bring fill me in. Cause I, all I know is I looked at the press release, I saw their ages, I saw their backgrounds, and I said, wow, is this from the Phillies?
3: We're talking about Matt Klintec?
2: Yeah, the guys he hired. He brought in a guy with a, uh, what was it, an economics degree from... Yeah, I think that
3: was the big one, right? Or the, it was the one that was most surprising was an analytics guy who was a former intern at the Phillies that elevated up. and that's. The
2: yeah, one. that was Louis Paulus. Um,
1: I, thought, I, I think the big hire will probably end up being Ned Rice. You know, he, he's a 31- he's a or 32-year-old. He's the guy I was thinking about. Uh, another guy who was sort of this, this wonder kind from, from Baltimore, sort of, sort of the same rise as Klintak, uh a similar background, uh, a guy who was in Baltimore, was, was, was praised and really known as a guy who uh, took on a lot of responsibility at a young age. And it seems like he, you know, as an assistant GM might take on Uh, the responsibility of sort of over spearheading this analytics department, whatever that may look like. And it's still sort of unclear what kind of resources they'll devote to that. But they promoted Scott Friedman, who was their first analytics guy, for lack of a better word. And then they hired Louis Polis uh, full-time. He interned for them last year. So basically you've created promotions for these guys. And uh, you're not necessarily adding people, but you are giving them different titles. You're giving them more responsibilities. So there is a – does seem to be initially uh, some uh, new dedication to that area.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're getting you're getting the sense, at least looking from afar, that these guys are actually going to have prominent roles. They're not going to be. Uh, I I always un, under Ruben and uh, the, the previous regime. I always pictured the uh, when they hired Scott Friedman. I pictured his relationship with Ruben kind of being like Toby and Michael Scott in the Office. Uh, yeah. Do you know the office? Are you too young for that, Breen? I'm
3: not too young, I just don't have time for mindless television. Mindless. Wow. I'm just kidding, I watch pro wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) No. I just I just never really watched The Office. But I I'm getting the gist of like Ruben and his his men. Yeah. Kind of the guys that, you know, followed him. I don't think it's really like that now. It's a lot of smart not that they weren't smart, but a lot of, you know, really smart baseball guys in the room <laughs> making decisions. Yeah, and
1: I don't think you've I think some people might have expected more overturn right away. And I think you will see that, but not not right away. I think after this season. Yeah. I think they've in for I'm using air quotes right now, shifted some responsibilities. Exactly. And they haven't fired anyone uh, for lack of a better word, but they're they're going to push some people out. I think after this year you'll see more changes in that front office. Yeah, you saw been ben, pretty classy too with keeping people on and mm-hmm. not you know, he didn't, and he found him to take over and throw
3: out a bunch of guys and lose their jobs. Yeah,
2: I think, uh, I think, uh, what, what we saw was kind of walking the, the middle line between what I thought was going to happen and what needed to happen, which I'm sure McPhail realized once he got in here and did his audit of the, of the organization. Which is, look, for all we've hammered the Phillies over the last few years, they're, they're, they're a respectable organization. David Montgomery is a very respectable man. Uh, The people in that baseball operations department are very good people. They're they're guys with a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge. Guys who, frankly, did not have a huge role in their downfall. I mean, I think that started at the very upper levels. Um, And when Andy McPhail came in, I think he understood that. I think he understood, look, guys like Benny Looper, you know, guys, you know, all these scouts up and down, up and down the row. They deserve better than just. To be shown their walking papers. And I think that's what you're starting to see. You know, Benny was shifted to, I think, an advisor of international scouting. Um, And you're you're kind of look, Andy McPhail, his first press conference essentially said, I'm not firing anybody this year. And I think that, you know, they essentially gave him, he essentially gave people a year to start, you know, examining their futures. And a lot of these guys are older guys. I mean, it's the Phillies. You know, Benny Looper's been around forever. Pat Gillick's been around forever.
1: Remember, you want to be able to attract talent not just on the field, but in front office. And and players and agents see how a team treats uh, a player. And certainly other executives and other scouts around the league see how teams treat their employees. And the Phillies have always been known as a team that is respectful and has created this loyal, maybe to a fault, uh, atmosphere. But I think that's certainly a consideration. And you're not just going to come in and break down doors and change everything right away. And I I don't think we expected that. But we have seen a massive amount of change on the roster. I mean, it is – really staggering to think about who they're going to camp with this year and how different it is from a year ago and from two years ago unbelievable
2: yeah i mean let's let's and let's get into that because i am i'm actually a little bullish on this team even in the short term i think that they 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 could very easily be the braves from last year and win 70 75 games if things break right i think that's that's the key that's big yeah, I, I mean, if things break right, the the problem was last year. I don't, I don't necessarily think that I would still set my over under at you know, whatever sixty five, but you can at least look at the roster and the guys they bring in the camp and see scenarios in which something could happen, you know, and and they could actually be more competitive. You know, if Mike Alfranco turns into a superstar, if Aaron Nola develops into a number two or number one starter, if you know Nick Williams, all these things. Well, let's ask you, what, what do you think the biggest? Who's the biggest wild card? in camp breen
3: um, in camp i would say i'm most excited to see nick williams play he played really good in the two months or so he came um from the cole hamill's trade and now to get i've seen him a few times in redding and going off to trenton but to see him on an everyday basis and then once the games start to see him against major leaguers it's going to be fun what's his what's
2: his what's his give me a, give me a scouting breakdown because i've never seen him
3: it's pretty fast great base runner not a like a rookie Henderson base dealer, but a, a smart base runner, Ken Steele, Ken Steele base too, um, has really good power. I don't know if he would bat fourth, but I mean, but he's got, he's got good power, really good arm. He's a great athlete, fast in the outfield.
2: He could be, he could be pretty good. And so like, are we talking Roman Quinn? Are we talking?
3: No, Roman Quinn's more of just like a speedster and a slap hitter. This guy is more of a, like a polished hitter and a, not not a freak of speed like Roman Quinn really is.
2: He's But he's a potential player.
3: A, a potential, I think, cornerstone of the guys that they at least have
2: right now. Do you get any sense that we could see him this year?
3: Yeah, I think um, in Sielski's column, he wrote you, the earliest would be September, but I, I think he could definitely be up earlier than that.
2: And what about J.P. Crawford? Do you think we could see see him this year?
1: I think we could see him. I, You know, remember, though, remember the service time implications, right. and remember what the Phillies did with Mike Alfranco, which was the smart thing to do. It's not the thing that fans want to see. Now, all this could change in the next collective bargaining agreement, which is
2: be expires
1: after this year. So you do have to take those considerations this year. Maybe they're thinking, well, the new CBA is going to get rid of this stupid rule and we'll just bring him up anyway. But I I think you see him maybe in September, Crawford, but I, I don't know if it's going to be before then. Yeah,
3: he, just, he turned 21, was it this month, right?
2: But you, so you think Nick Williams is closer than J.B. Crawford? Definitely. What about Jorge Alfaro?
3: That's a, a big question. Mark. Do you think him or really
2: Andrew? Na- do you think he or Andrew Knapp are up for are up first?
3: Napp probably just based on experience, especially if Knapp continues what he was doing last year.
1: Yeah, And we don't even know if Alfaro is going to be a catcher. I mean, I think first you have to they have to decide where is Jorge Alfaro going to play catcher. left would be field, the other first base
2: designated hitter
1: or DH. But you know, I don't think there's going to be a DH. I do. I hope there's okay. not a DH. Really? Nationally, all right. Ball. Let's talk
2: about this because I don't understand. I I, I cannot understand why people are oppo- w- would be opposed to a DH.
1: To me, it's I understand people don't like seeing pitchers hit, and I don't like seeing pitchers hit either, except if it's Bartolo Colon, but. <laughs> uh, or if it's watching Kyle Kendrick take batting practice, which was always right. really fun, and the guys used to get on him for that. He used to hit some pretty good bombs in batting practice. Uh But, no, it's about the strategy, though. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, with the ninth spot there, it changes how you manage late games. You have to have a good bench. You're, you're pinching, you're double-switching, you're lining up. I mean, you're trying to figure out different things. It just adds so much to the strategy. And with DH, it's just, to me, it's too boring. And also, remember... American League games, the DH are always longer than National League games. I know you, everyone well, thinks pitching like changes. Drive. No, but I think people have people have spoken. They don't want to see three and a half hour, four hour games anymore. They want three hour games. And well, I you think
2: know what? I've always said what can eliminate that is institute a you must for for all relievers must face at least three batters unless yeah, they're I
3: hurt. I don't like that either because that takes away the strategy.
2: Which the strategy is like
3: the most integral part of the game? No, it's not
2: there was never strategy there was never strategy when robin roberts was out there throwing 200 pitches a game and 8000 innings a season that this the you the, call stra- that team? the strat yeah i did okay. the
1: baseball stri- is the thinking man's game but that's
2: that's such a, it's not true because at least when it comes to the quote unquote strat see tony larussa has tricked the world into believing that this is he is like the essence of baseball when when in reality you used to throw a starter out there and let him pitch nine innings and, and guys would just tee off on him
1: I think that's less about about the DH and more about.
2: It's not about the DH. It's is just how the what I'm saying is the, the roots, roots of the game. What I'm saying the roots of the game was never about matching relievers up against against. No, not at all. So so no. but I, so there's it's like a twenty. It's it's not tradition to me. Although you millennial, you millennials you get nostalgic for like. Teams. You guys, Aren't you millennials? I'm like a, I'm the on the fringe. Yeah. But seriously, you guys get nostalgic about can I talk, some really can weird I ca- stuff. Can
1: I chime in about my wild card for camp?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: I am all about Mark Appel right now, okay? Just for the sheer reason that, look, this guy, he's been awful in the minors. Let's let's throw that out there. Awful. Uh, you know, you, you, there's no excuses for it. This guy was drafted number eight overall. Went back to school. Then he was drafted number one overall. There was There was – his talent was not in dispute, not once, for two years in a row across baseball. I mean, this guy is a potential ace pitcher, if he figures it out. And he is, yes, your classic change of scenery type guy. You're thinking he had to get out of Houston. He was the number one overall pick there. He had this huge expectations and clearly was not going to live up to it there. I mean, he he's, you know, he had a lot of things in his head. He might be an overthinker, and I hate how smart guys are usually labeled as overthinkers in baseball because that's not – uh, it's not rewarded in baseball.
2: But let's be honest most of the good most of the great players are dumb. I mean, it, it,
1: Greg Maddux it, is a smart guy.
2: Okay, but but it, it at least hitter, yeah. I, I don't know pitcher. I don't know pitcher wise. Overthink, but, but Roy Halladay is a smart guy and had to dumb himself down almost to become a great pitcher. You sure, know what I'm saying? Whereas yeah. Cliff Lee, I mean, no offense to the man, but I like. <laughs> He would not be my lifeline if I if I were on a game show, you know? Wow, well,
1: now you're definitely not. A, you're out of the millennial category because you just referenced who wants to be a millionaire.
2: I'm in like the. You guys, see, I think you guys are like the social media generation. Not even you. Breen, you're like the social media generation.
1: Anyway, but, Mark Appel. He, yeah. He would be my wild card because you know what, they might not get anything out of him, and that could very well be the case, but what a great guy to take a shot on if you're the Phillies. I mean, why not?
2: And the thing that jumped out at me, just from reading, because I'm with you, as soon as I heard that they got Appel instead of the other guy, the kid from Lebanon they'd been mentioning, I was like, alright, this trade looks, this trade is very, very intriguing right now. Um, and, and I was curious why Appel just kind of got thrown in there at, at the last minute, if he, if he even did. You know, maybe he was in there all along, but I was wondering why he was kind of the, oh, yeah, and by the way, you got the number one overall pick from two years ago. And, and I just assumed there was something wrong with his stuff. But I then when Klintak spoke, he said, essentially, this guy still got the stuff that he had two years ago. And as soon as I read that, I, I loved the trade because
1: he's kind of a bad rap around the game. I mean, I think that's pretty clear. I mean, scouts look at him and they see a guy who they think is not competing. They think a guy who's soft. They think – a lot of things. And he very well may, may be that guy.
2: He might. Yeah, but uh, baseball is also really weird, too. Like, it's really easy to get that reputation in baseball. And, like, it's just a lot of the guys who aren't, like, Johnny Gomes is, like, a baseball guy. You know, guess what? Whatever. Like, you can come to my parade, but I don't want you on my lineup. You know? Like, you can be a baseball guy all you want. I, I, you I'd know? rather him come to my party. Yeah. But, like, Cole you know, like. I saw it with Cole Hamels firsthand. I don't know if you were... Were you here in 08 or 09? You were 10? End of 09, yeah. So end of 09, like, you just saw it happening to Cole Hamels. Like, the baseball establishment started to turn against them. And, like, Philadelphia is the epitome of the baseball establishment. Like, the philly.com commenters are the baseball establishment. They're all baseball scouts. And, uh, like, you just saw it. Like, the fact that Cole Hamels didn't talk like everybody else. And he, like, said things that got misconstrued sometimes. And he, like, wasn't he wasn't ferocious you know uh people just like he he got this rap that even to the point of being you know top five Cy Young four straight years he still had people saying he's
1: not an elite pitcher
2: trade him in 2012 you know like and I so I'm gonna I'm gonna give when it comes to baseball I'm gonna give a guy benefit of the doubt I'm curious what Mark uh, what was your impression when you talked to him
1: you yeah, talked to him impressed I mean, I hope the guy is a long career in Philadelphia. He he is smart, funny. Uh, I mean, this guy has like an engineering degree from Stanford. He's not he's not an idiot.
2: So like, oh, so so the guy yeah. I think of when you when when like Trevor Bauer, like yeah. like the Arizona Diamondbacks got rid of Trevor Bauer, and the whole thing was like, dude, he's weird, man. Like no one will ever accept him. He like does things weird ways. Well, guess what? Indians were like, dude, I'll take a weird guy on my team, and now he's yeah. pretty darn good. You know, like I feel like. Pitchers. I mean, Zach Greinke was that guy. Mm -hmm. You know, absolutely. At some point, I'll take a town. Like, if if the baseball establishment and it's but it's weird because Houston's not not necessarily that organization that that thinks that way. You know,
1: that's why you start to wonder. Okay, well, you know, if Houston, Houston's it's possible they decide this guy isn't just going to succeed here because of everything that's happened. And there was a lot that happened. And the guy's got a really fascinating backstory there. I mean, he go look at some of his numbers. I mean, oh my gosh, he was destroyed and the minors he really was yeah
2: it, but look, at the same time it's a very tough very tough place to pit very tough system to pitch in
1: oh yeah their affiliates are all hitter friendly places it, the where he really struggled was at single a lancaster california which is in the desert it's literally in the desert and he was miserable i mean and the guy was miserable and that's no excuse again he's got to do a better job he had like a 10 era and like 12 starts or something there which is obscene for a single a and uh we'll see
2: but yeah it, you know i I just I can see the ups. I I can see such such big upside because, again, like think about a smart guy who's been around smart people his entire life, went to Stanford. All of a sudden he's like slumming it with class A kids who like took fifty thousand dollar signing bonuses out of high school. And, you know, especially if you think that your stuff is that much better than everybody else's, it's very easy to to just lose that edge, you know, and just say, when I'm going to get when am I when am I going to get to the majors? You know, is there a chance he wins a job out of spring training?
1: I don't think so, only because he, he's only got, like, maybe 15 starts at AAA, and there's really no incentive for them to have him in there, and there's other guys. I mean, Breen, who do you think is the fifth guy right now? Yeah. Let, well, I mean, let's assume Aaron Nola, yeah. Jared Eikhoff, Jeremy Hellickson, and, and Charlie Morton are the top four guys, which seems – I mean, Pete McCann put them in the rotation, and, and it for good reason. I mean, that makes sense.
3: You, I know you, you. – they, Pete McCann said you don't need a lefty, but if you need a lefty, you have Vincent Velasquez, who is part of the uh, Ken Giles trade. Oberholzer is a righty; he's part of the Ken Giles trade. Um, who are some of the other guys?
1: Adam Morgan's Definitely. there. You know, Oberholzer. You have, yeah, you have guys would... who were beat around last year, like Dave Buchanan and, and, and Severino Asher. Gonzalez and Alec Asher. But I mean, I think Oberholzer makes a lot of sense. I think it's a new name. I don't think it's a guy from last year. I think.
2: Yeah, I think I had it. I th- I think what I did the other day. I did a projected lineup for one of our online columns, and I think I had Oberholzer in there. Uh, yeah,
1: Oberholzer, did. you know, his numbers are okay for a guy who is pitching in AL and pitching in hitters parks. I mean, as a fifth They're guy. They're not worse than Kyle Kendricks. As a fifth guy slash swingman, which is probably what he'll be this year, he might be the fifth star maybe for the first two or three months of the season, and then he goes to the bullpen. That, you know, again, he was a throw, basically a throwing in that yeah. trade. But here, I'll ask you guys. I mean, do you think that under the old regime they ever make that Ken Giles trade? No way.
2: No, I've, and I I have asked a lot of people that this off season just
3: the older team doesn't make any of these trades, and I know the older team was in power for these trades, but what I, I always said was the older James track record was Cliff Lee to Seattle. That's the trade they make, and you get back garbage. They don't make you know the Chase Outlet trade, the um, even the uh, uh, Jonathan Papelbon trade, the Ken Giles trade. See, and I even
2: think that like those those almost see. Everything that Ruben did was was essentially paint by numbers. Like he was he was always shopping at the top of the market. Yeah. Uh, you know he he execute. You know he he executed a sell off. It was but, by the book. But yeah, but like sell offs are easy to execute. Like you know exactly you get rid of your veterans. Like you hold out for the highest price and then you do the deal when you need to. The Giles trade was very. The much Giles by trade the book. is what to me that's a progressive baseball trade and that's what the Phillies could. That's the kind of trade they needed to be doing. You know in order to. To.
3: It's smart. You don't you don't need a top of the line closer now when you're not closing out. You know,
1: yeah. 40 games and right and I know Vinny Velasquez is a guy who a lot of people are interested in seeing in spring too, and, and he's he's very much a wild card also. And 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 I think you know as as Clint, I, when I was in Allentown last week and contact was asked about Velasquez. Do you see him as a star or a reliever? And it was a really refreshing answer to hear him say. From a value perspective, and these were these were his words. He's a starter for us. He better be a starter for us, and that's right. I mean, do you rather have a guy who's throwing two hundred innings for you or seventy innings for you? And it could very well be that Vinny Velasquez is, is their future closer, but they're going to try everything they can to make him a starter.
2: Yeah, I mean that, and that's that's it, again. It's it's just refreshing to hear that kind of talk. I mean, there's a, look. Let's be honest. Again, I don't I don't want to pour on. I don't want to you know kick. Ruben while he's down but like they had a first base coach running their organization the last <laughs> five years you know and he just didn't say things like that he did, he just he wasn't wired that way he didn't think that way um you know they and and as you said the game changed on them you know it, it got to a point where you know they got in it, it's almost like a sad irony i mean if they if they had if they had managed to Win when they did with their core four years earlier, and then could start building. They would have been able to buy four titles, you know. But they they got their they got they got their money at a point right when it started to lose value, you know, where you just couldn't buy things anymore with it. If only greenies were still legal. Exactly. The Phillies had <laughs> so overholzer Oberholzer in two thousand four, in twenty four starts in the American League, had a four point three nine ERA, hundred forty three and two thirds innings, five point nine K nine. 1.8 walks per nine and 0. 0.8 home run per nine. Like That's better than... That's like Kyle Kendrick's best season right there. He's a first stater, too. Is he? <laughs> Delaware. Look at you.
1: Delaware?
2: What, what... I mean, you...
1: Is that a Delaware joke you just made? Delaware question? Mark.
2: How do you know your first stater's?
3: All in here. I don't know. I need to be <laughs> like you.
2: You're like a rain man. <laughs> Except... Completely useless knowledge. You can't even count cards or anything. But, yeah, like, so, so, but like what you were saying with with regards to the Giles trade, if, if only, even if the big guys fail and you only get one, like an Oberholzer end up giving you 200 innings a year, like that's almost good value. You know, even
1: then, even if the big, you know, even if Vinny Velasquez is a closer, then you got a closer for a closer, I guess, who's younger and going to be cheaper. Yeah, I I, I mean, but
2: I read something from a scout that said, you know, even if Velazquez ends up in the bullpen, he could very easily be what Giles is right now. It's just a smart trade to make. You're playing your odds, you know? Absolutely. The problem with the Phillies is when you're a scouting organization and, and an organization that's structured like they are, you know, loyalty, it's very hard to get fired in the Phillies organization. Um, just very mom and pop. You fall in love with, like, your own guys, you know? And it's very hard. You look at a Ken Giles, and I remember two years ago when I, I suggested – You know, to Phillies fans, like, they should really, like, maybe look and see what they could get for Giles. He might be their best piece. They'd be like, well, you can't can't trade 100 miles, Giles. You know? You can't trade 100 miles. That's our boy, you know? You
1: really don't like the fans. No, it's a...
3: I've never met anyone in Philadelphia that talks like that.
2: (laughs) You're, You're from the Northeast, so you should know. Where are you from? I'm from the Poconos, baby. Oh, God. I forgot. Um... But no, it's, a, out there it's not the fan. On. It's not the fan. It's not the fans. It's a segment of fans, you know. Yeah. It's like, the, and it's a segment of fans with the same mentality that the old regime had, it which is. I agree
3: with you. I was just make funny accent.
2: Yeah, you have a great accent. You have a great I northeast did, accent. I, I love I it. I it's, it's, a, it's amazing. Like I know, I have a buddy Pat Gallon from the northeast, mm-hmm. and he doesn't talk like he's from the northeast at all, and it's really weird. Probably
1: sold out. And shed the shed the
2: accent. Dude, he went the northeast high.
1: Well, he's on TV that now though. Yeah. he's a big BFD
3: exactly you know? shed the accent. I'm not shedding my accent
2: oh you're not you refuse you refuse to change
1: you're embracing the Northeast exactly. in you?
2: I love it uh, but you know like but that was the Phillies like that was their mentality like fall in love with a guy like Ken Giles because we you know I scouted him I found him, you know like he's ours. But, like, look, you got assets, you know, and you yeah, got look, it. look,
1: Ken Giles is a great success story for that. He was, oh, absolutely. like, yeah. I, off the top of my head, maybe a ninth-round pick, if that. He not even was play a college, ball. college yeah. guy. He had been to three, two junior colleges. They draft him. He was not very good his first year in the Philly system, had some injury problems. And, look, you just turned him into, you know, perhaps three or four legit pieces. That is you a great Philly su- success story, and that's the old regime. I mean, I know, we, you know, they do get – Knox with their amateur drafting go look at the drafts of like 2010 and 2012 and they are just horrendous but look hey there's affiliate there's a there's a draft success story and there's there weren't enough of them and that's why there's a new regime but
2: that's what I'm saying that that that, that it's almost a shame like a guy you know like you said there, there were some bad drafts but everyone's got bad drafts and and you know it's a shame that guys like Marty Wolliver and, and Benny Looper end up having to pay the price when in reality it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily the amateur side that was lacking. It was then taking that, w- taking what they found and maximizing those those assets. You know, again, like instead of trading Jonathan Singleton, uh, you know, ch- instead of trading those four guys for uh, Hunter Pence, it's almost as if you you could have traded each one of those for like their own package of prospects. That's the way the game was heading. You know, like th- look at look at the Cubs. The Cubs are the perfect example. They traded. Their best, their biggest trade was not selling off Alfonso Soriano or any other old parts. Uh, It was trading Cashner for uh, Andrew Kaschner for Anthony Rizzo, which at that time, those trades just didn't happen. You know, it was two guys who were, you know, either rookies or, or, you know, one plus guys and straight, you know, straight tit for tat. Well, look what happened now. You know, they signed Andy, they signed him to a very cost effective deal. I mean, Caster's been, been good, too, but, 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 but Rizzo has been better to the point that that trade has given them great value, and that's the kind of thing you need to see. And That's the kind of thing that I think Clentac brings. If Is that what your impression of him has been so far? Yeah,
1: and I th- actually, I think the Cubs-Phillies comparison is an interesting one because the, the Cubs' strategy was to stack up on position players in the draft, in trades, uh, with the exception of Jake Arrieta, which was like a you know, once-in-a-lifetime trade they made. Uh, The Phillies, on the other hand, have been very clear. We are going to stack up on pitchers. They're probably going to draft a pitcher number one overall in June. They've acquired all pitchers except really for Nick Williams. And their theory is that when we need to buy, we will buy hitters because of Citizens Bank Park. Well, when the Cubs needed to buy, they bought pitchers. So, interesting. I mean, there are are different ways to go about it. And, again, there is no one way to win in this game. We've seen that time and time again.
2: Well, I also think pitchers are more – it's it's a lot easier to project stuff against major league hitters than it is to project whether a guy's going to be able to hit major league pitching. Like, I mean, everyone knew Aaron Nola was going to, you know, at least be what he was last year. I, uh,
1: I think they're betting on the uh, this idea that hitters age better than pitchers in this game, right? In the mod in this modern game, better which investment. is which is not a bad philosophy. I mean, it, it remains to be seen. We don't know. I mean, the arm is a mystery.
2: Well, and it's also the, the Mets strategy, essentially. You know, I mean, they, and maybe there was just more value. Maybe there was just more value. Maybe it wasn't a conscious effort to seek pitchers. But again, you can trade, especially in a team in their position. You know, they're, if they can cobble together a rotation, a homegrown rotation, That's and, and pitching is more expensive, too. That, that's, you know, you can cobble together a line, put it this way, you can cobble together a lineup better than you can cobble together a rotation. I mean, look at, look at, uh, Look at the Giants lineup. You know, look at some of these lineups that have won here recently. I mean, well, let's
1: be it, real though. The Phillies are not going to score a lot of runs this year. Oh, not this I mean, year. No. It's going to be a big problem. I mean, but I'm saying
2: two years down the road when yeah. they're ready to compete. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, in an ideal world, you've got, you know, uh, you've got, let's say, Appel, Thompson, Nola, and then like one of the other guys. And then all of a sudden, you can go out and spend money, you overspend on it. You know, a hitter or trade. Well, maybe
1: you package a couple of those exactly. together for a hitter. I mean, not. Yep. Are you doing? Their philosophy has been to buy more lottery tickets. All right. Buy it's a as very many tickets as you can, that without having that. ping pong balls, and hope that you cash in on a few. Which I maybe think maybe they do, maybe they don't. Maybe we're all just—it's an elaborate ruse being pulled over our heads.
2: <laughs> maybe Sam Hinkie's really running the Phillies. Um, one of the biggest.
1: What if I told you? Yeah. What.
2: what one of the biggest, I'll, I'll go. I'll go with the wild card here, and it kind of fits with with what we're talking about. Aaron Altier, who is this guy? I, I mean, this guy is a guy who has been in the system since I started covering the team in 2008. Like I've been hearing about Aaron, he's been a he's been a guy on the radar since I was tw- 25 years old, and the Phillies had yet to win a World Series. Uh, and now, all of a sudden. He's actually put together 150 plate appearances of major league ball and the the thing that the, the one thing that I will say that might suggest that he might not be a John Mayberry Jr. is that he has cut down on his or, or at least in the minors he cut down on his strikeout rate and he raised his walk rate is that? Are you seeing a different player from 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 people that you've talked to? Do, do you think that Aaron Altier is a different player? And is he an everyday player? Is he is he a regular major leaguer? Does he have more upside than that? Who is he?
3: For now, he's definitely an everyday player. Which is it's this is the best case scenario for him that he gets a whole year to show if I'm an everyday player or if I'm not. I like Aaron Altier a lot. I think he's most he's probably a bench player when this when the tide turns and they are contenders, he's probably, you know, your fourth or fifth outfielder. Okay. But I think he's he's not – you're not throwing out garbage every day this year. You're throwing out a pretty solid corner outfielder.
1: Let's say, just say he has a better chance than some of the guys they've run out there. Right. I mean, he is he's an upgrade in that he could go one of two ways. I mean, he could be a fourth outfielder very well. I mean, any, or he could be, you know, he might be a middle-of-the-order bat. I mean, he really might be. He showed a ton of power last year yeah. in his small – Sample in the major leagues, and that that's the thing. If, if even if he's striking out, which he probably will. I mean, he his he was known in the minors always. He was a toolsy guy, high ceiling guy. But the strikeouts, man, you can't deal with it. But he didn't hit for as much power as he did this year. And if he is going to hit for that kind of power, they'll take it. They'll take the strikeouts with that power, and that's the thing. He could be. He he is. He kind of uh, projects to be like your quintessential corner outfield guy if things go right for him. Now it's possible it doesn't, but he's going to get a shot.
2: Well, yeah. that's what I, that's, uh, that was my point when I said uh, they could be better than people think because last year you had Jeff Francoeur and you knew exactly what Jeff Francoeur was going to be. You
1: don't know what Allen.
2: Exactly, going you to at least there there's at least there's at least a scenario like you knew what Ryan Howard was going to be. There's at least a scenario in which Aaron Altier is what his tools have always said he could potentially be. Right.
3: That's the best part about this year is. Like are they going to be bad? Sure, but they're going to be interesting to watch. They're going to be you don't really know half of these guys and what they're going to um, amount to.
2: So tear in 161 plate appearances, 241, three, uh, 338 OPP, 489 slugging percentage, 827 OPS, 41 strikeouts and 161 plate appearances, which isn't, which isn't horrible.
1: No, the slugging percentage is what pops out at you initially. Right. I yeah. Mean, 49. That's you know and as, again you know it was about 150 plate appearances and it it was better if not it was better than most of his minor leagues i mean again small sample size but that's the kind of slugging percentage they've been they've been hoping for to him because they know he's gonna he's gonna strike out i mean that i think that's pretty clear he's he's gonna strike out uh but if he's hitting he's, if he's slugging near 500 you're gonna take that
2: yeah i mean his, his uh his minor league numbers you're right they're His minor league numbers in seven seasons, 261 batting average, 322 on base percentage, 413 slugging percentage, 734 OPS, 600 strikeouts, and 2,500 at bats. Um, And, I mean, and again, the big thing, only 206 walks. Uh, You know, he never had more than 49, it's a, up until 2015, he never had more than 45 walks in a season, in a full season, and last year he had 19, and you know,
1: he, he's another one of those guys who had a wrist injury maybe about two years ago. And uh, that's that's a big thing that affects power. We, we players have talked about that. So again, yeah, I think what Breen said really makes sense. I mean, you, you you don't know about some of these guys. And that's sort of what makes the season interesting.
2: A dual her is a guy I'm interested in seeing because he he's a guy. I still think he has a very low floor. Uh, you know, he. He looked really bad for the first half of last year, and he's got that weird swing. And but Pete McCannon loves him. The Phillies, I think, love him, and they think that he has found whatever he needed to find, and and it, it's not going to go away again. What what have you been hearing about double Herrera?
3: At the beginning of the year, you have to take into effect that he came straight from Double A to the majors, which is a
1: playing a jump. position he had never really exactly.
3: played, and with a new franchise, I think he showed. His growth the last year, and by the end
1: of the year, he's definitely an everyday outfielder.
2: But no so, play. who is he when they're contending?
1: Well, I think moving him to left field, which is going to happen this year, it really helps him. Uh, I know he graded out better defensively as the season went on, but he's probably not a center fielder. And they do have a lot of center fielders coming through the system, so that moving him to the corner, he's not your quintessential corner guy because he's not going to hit for huge power. But he's got gap power, though. I mean, he had a lot of doubles last yeah. year, uh, and and what is he? I don't know if he's a first-division regular. I mean, he might be. I think he's more of like a second-division regular. Maybe he's a guy that you end up trading when you when you stockpile more people. Uh, but, again, this is, this is a lottery ticket. This guy's a Rule 5 pick. Yeah.
2: What about the the guy, the Rule Good Goodell? Not Roger. Uh, is it Gato? Goodell?
1: Goodell. He's got a brother who's a pitcher in, in the, on the Mets. Uh, the Eric yeah. Goodell. Commissioner
3: of Sports League, right? I don't know. Roger.
1: Roger Goodell. A
2: joke. That's a funny joke, Matt.
1: Place. It's gonna be a long <laughs> season. Goodell.
2: Breen, Breen, Breen will be here all, all year. You got to work <laughs> on your delivery a little bit. A little yeah, too little too droll. To, a little you too dr- jokes. Yeah, you're just operating. You're just operating on a uh, higher plane of existence than us. Whatever. But get out.
1: He's gotten like the red carpet treatment for Rule Five pick. I don't think I've ever seen better treatment for Rule Five pick ever. They gave him number two. They brought him to like their prospect seminar week in Philly I mean this guy's making the team I mean they have no incentive to not keep him Uh, he's he's an upside guy he's the kind of guy you take with the number one pick in the rule five draft because you know you can carry him you know that uh, you might have to deal with some some struggles here and there but he was an infielder like Herrera until last year Uh, they turned him into a corner guy played a little bit of center too but he's probably a corner guy and you never know. I mean, he's he had some pretty good numbers at Triple-A last year. 279
2: 354 for a 783 OPS, 12 home runs, 10 triples.
1: Sorry, not Triple-A, Double-A, AA, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, Mont Double-A Montgomery. So he had he had let's see, 12 home runs, 10 triples, 28 steals in 37 attempts in a 783 OPS. So why did why didn't the Rays why didn't the Rays protect him?
3: I think it's a numbers game, right? I'm sure that's not a guy that they would they were trying to get rid of. I'm sure in a perfect world he'd still be with them, but
1: a lot. I know a lot of people in the Phillies organization said that this guy, they they had got offers for the number one. Believe it or not, people trying to trade up for the. For, for, they don't trade the picks, but they what they do is the Phillies take the guy and then they trade him. This guy was was viewed in the industry as the best guy available by far. Yeah.
2: Yeah, right. Well, that's I'm just curious as to why, why, uh, why Tampa wouldn't would have given up on him. Maybe they just said. I mean, I guess one. I guess maybe you just get to a certain point where you can't afford to protect everybody. But, yeah, yeah I mean, certainly 22 years old, 783 OPS, 350 on base percentage.
1: I think they wondered about his position. I mean, they moved him. I don't know if they know if he has a position. And that's something we're going to find out. So he's
2: going into camp as an outfielder or, or a third baseman? Outfielder. What, what uh, Corner or center?
1: He said last week when I talked to him he, he expects to play all three in spring. Uh, he didn't play that much in center last year. And last year I think it was his first year in the outfield period. Uh, so probably a corner guy. You know, they—they. They, I think what's, you know, and Pete McKenna has talked about, I mean, they're have three. They're starting three center fielders this year if, if they go in with right. uh, Borges in left, Herrera in center, and Altair in right. That, that's probably where they're going to improve the most. I mean, they're, they're going to have – they're probably going to shave off their ERA a good amount just because last year they were so bad and they've really improved their outfield defense and that has not been a hallmark of these phillies teams the last few years. Yeah, I
2: mean I mean you look they, they they won 63 games last year just running out slop on the mound. Um, I mean they, you know they were they were throwing on long relievers as starters for for it, it felt like once every 5 days. Yeah. Um, you know
1: RIP Shannon Olven. Yeah. yeah sorry. As and well, it, or even like
2: poor Gianmar Gomez. Yeah. You know, like he that guy and Justin De Freitas, thank God he got a major league deal because. Thank God his arm is still attached. I, well, I know. I, I mean, I'm not sure it's going to be through this this deal, but I'm just glad he actually got something for his troubles last year. last year. I know it's. Where is he now?
1: Canada hunting probably. I believe he got signed last year to like a minor league deal, and then by Toronto maybe. You know, Team Canada, but uh, I don't know if he's with an organization. And it's funny because there's a lot. A lot of players from that team last year. A lot of Phillies who are not without organizations yet. Is
2: Dominic? Did Dominic end no, up anywhere? He is not. Wow, that's amazing. Dude, he's
1: a great. He's a guy. I mean, you and I were always pro Dominic Brown just because he was. I just thought he, he had should had get a upside. chance. Yeah, he a shot, but yeah. he's the kind of guy who's sitting out there right now. I'm thinking I signed to a minor league deal if I'm giving him like a one million guarantee if he makes a team with like some incentives. <laughs> Somebody will do that. Well, I, I don't know who it'll be, but let's say
2: my whole thing is clearly there's a large degree of uncertainty. In, in scouting players and and predicting when they're going to break out. I mean, Jose Batista was 30 before or 29 or 30 before it happened, you know. It, it just got uh, JD Martinez. Anyone could have had JD Martinez for the price of a waiver claim and nobody even claimed them off waivers. And all of a sudden now he's, you know, got a 950. Even like Steve Pierce has a na- has a, has a year. It just seems like
1: Yeah, and Odubel Her is right. a great example yeah. of that. I it, mean, that
2: that was always my that that was always my argument for playing Dominic the last two years. Just that, you know, again that segment that's uh, and the Phillies were the same. Way, you know, they just didn't like they just didn't think he had it. And, chance, and chances are he didn't ha- doesn't have it. But but we all know Jeff Francoeur didn't have it. So my argument was if you you know if there's at least some chance you might as well throw him out there anyway. Yeah, well, seen him play every day. But anyway, I I'm surprised as you said nobody. I mean, that's do you think that's just Boris? You know, seeing if you can't sucker sucker a major league deal out of somebody or no,
1: I think it's more the off field market has been so slow. I mean, think about Dexter Fowler is still on sign. I know he's attached to a draft pick, but this is like a, a really high on base percentage guy who's a top of the order hitter, who somebody is going to sign. I think. I mean, but Cespedes just signed and Upton just signed. It's been a little slow there. So, I mean, Boris is probably looking to try to get Brown in a spot where he he has a. Better chance of making a team because he probably is going to get a minor league deal. I would think with you know with yeah, a major would, league guarantee.
2: Yeah, I would absolutely think he he's going to get a minor league deal. But yeah, you're right. I mean, you want to you want to wait and see where he's actually going to get a chance to play, right? Right, Breen. You got a joke. You got a joke for that one jokes. there, Breen. A jokes
1: for today. Same with Jeff <laughs> Francoeur, Aaron Harang, all those guys. Jimmy Rollins is still out there, man. Yeah. He's going to play second base for somebody.
2: Yeah, I. Uh, do you think he's he's willing to do that? Have you heard anything from? Well,
1: he hasn't signed with anyone yet, so he better be willing to do.
2: But anything. I mean, if he is he is he is he willing to play second base and instead about. of retire?
1: I think he wants to play again. I think that's pretty clear. He wants to play again, and that and
2: second base man that the numbers at that position. <laughs> I mean, Chibi Rollins would would be an average second baseman.
1: Chase Utley got seven million dollars in the Dodgers. I know. Shane Victorino's still out there too. Is he?
2: Wow. I didn't even realize. I didn't even realize he was a. Uh, he was a free agent.
1: He's posting Instagram a lot. He's training. Uh, what's
2: Hawaii. What's going on as his Instagram?
1: He posts a lot of pictures of shoes. Okay. No yeah. Shoes? His his. Kids. Like his own shoes or like oh, other yeah, people's shoes. shoes? That would be he weird. Has a, he has a really extensive collection.
2: Like, like, are we talking like uh, like thousand dollar kicks or what? Do you have am the Air the Force ones? Okay. Breen, Breen's from the Northeast, so he wears uh. I have a sweet new balance on now. He wears uh white Adidas's and I have flat brim hats I'm a big shoe guy. he buys all his Gale's shoes he buys all his shoes at the roosevelt mall
1: i'm wearing timberland RG. boots that i once <laughs> bought uh <laughs> in, at syracuse university great snow boots
2: uh I
1: like shoes too murph i always like yours what's that I always like your shoes always yeah hey, you got nice shoes thanks man do
2: you I think take anyone is
1: going to make it to this point in the podcast
2: no probably, yeah, not. probably not what, do, what else do we what else do i have on my list there
1: we've talked about how about win totals. yeah what do so you think talk, I think you said an over under like 60 that's wait. did you gamble at all I mean that is not where you're saying an over under if I'm gonna say an over under I'm gonna say 69 and a half okay, okay? what I say 65 yeah yeah you're yeah. over under 69 and a half to me I think this team the ceiling is a 10 win improvement and now we get them to 73 that's the ceiling the max 10 win improvement is a lot That's yeah. a lot of wins I see them probably like 68. Five wins, let's... Five-win improvement, let's say 68 wins.
2: But at the same time, when you think about the fact that just last year, they they, they... they It's almost amazing that they won as many... That they did not lose 100 games given the state of their rotation. I mean, they, they just did not have guys on the mound that were capable of keeping a team in a, in a big league game. And I think that at the very least, you're going to have that this year. I mean, you're going to have... I, I think Jeremy Hellickson could have a chance to really... Really, really break out and and give them some value at the trade deadline because he's always been a guy who put up decent strikeout numbers. In, in I mean, he's had some of the worst pitching conditions.
1: He gives up a lot of home runs and Citizens bank park isn't the greatest. No, place but
2: for that. he's also that also he's also been doing that in the American League East and in Chase Field, which makes Citizens Bank Park look like you know.
1: I know they're gonna be putting better guys out there, but don't overlook the fact that. These younger guys are going to take some licks, I think. Even if you're, you're talking about an Icoff or Nola, I, mm. I don't know if you can expect Icoff to repeat the sort of stuff we saw. Even Nola, I mean, it, we're talking about making, the, asking them to make thirty starts, thirty two starts next year, and that's a lot. And I think they're going to th- that'll be where they where they accumulate some of these losses. It's just it's a lot to ask some of these guys. But again, it's better than watching Sean O'Sullivan. And I'm sorry, Sean, or if your family's listening. Oh, we love us, you, Sean.
2: Great guy. Friend of the podcast? <laughs> Not really. I don't think so. I mean, maybe he is.
1: Breen, what's your win total? I was actually like, just doing it on my
3: calculator. Um, you need a calculator you need to figure this out. I'm not the smartest guy with math.
1: Should I roll in the abacus? <laughs> what did you say?
2: Breen, you know what? You got street smarts. That's what—that's what we like about you.
1: I um, said 68, which puts you at how many?
2: Like, notes? what were you at? I, what? You, what were you adding together?
3: <laughs> I want to. I want to see what the record sounds like. 75 <laughs> is what I think. It, I think I'm at 75 because 162,
1: 162 75. minus
3: 75 is i just screwed up 87
1: 87 man. yeah
3: i think they lose 87 games they lost 99 games last so you're year. thinking they have a 12 game improvement yes this i year. think they're because that's still not a great record but it's not that's a big improvement what, what was your improvement
1: five
2: No.
3: Nah. which is
1: still big do right.
2: well, you yeah.
1: and i also consider the fact that you know the the Mets and Nats are going to be pretty pretty darn good, and and the I think the That's Marlins true. are going to have a a really good team too.
3: So and do you it, think they'll flirt with a hundred losses again?
1: Not necessarily. I mean, if they're a five win improvement, I guess that maybe the, you could call that flirting. What do they call that in the Northeast? Uh, going, down down the park, the
2: going down to the park, going down the playground, and going out to the street. Isn't that what you call it? going out to the corner? No, Don't you guys no, go out to the corner up in the Northeast? Like,
3: this isn't Rocky. <laughs>
2: Uh, like, what do you, what do you call it when you make time with your honey in the Northeast?
1: <laughs> Hanging out. No. Going steady. Is that what they still call it in the Northeast? Coming over for Netflix and chill. Nope. <laughs>
2: All right. So good. I think, millennials. I, I think the one thing that I underestimate, uh, is, and let's not forget,
1: they're, they're not going to score. I was going to say, I mean, they're really, they're not going to score a lot of runs. I think, and, w- and, and, you know, yeah, you might get Nick Williams and JP Crawford halfway through the year or in August, but, uh, this is a team that's going to struggle to score.
2: I think that was the big. That, I think that was probably the most surprising thing about last year's team was how was how they ended up scoring runs. Um, I thought they were. I thought they set the world on fire. But they they. Uh, I mean, Jeff Francoeur had a pretty
1: solid year. Decent year. How many runs did he score? Not RBIs, runs. Uh, thirty-four. Yeah.
2: Okay. I mean, they uh, you know, they averaged. They weren't awful, put it that way, and. Okay. You can argue that put it this way you can argue you can argue that that uh, Jeff Frank it, it will be difficult for maybe not difficult but but you know Aaron Altier it, it's it's tough to expect more than it's it's tough tough to to ask more out of Aaron Altier than you know a 720 OPS and 13 home runs
1: And Peter Borges isn't exactly no as an offensive juggernaut anymore but he, you know he is, this is like his last shot he he's a free agent after the year so he's got one more shot to prove And Michael an Franco
2: I mean he, he 840 You're gonna get a full
1: season though. You only got how many plate appearances right.
2: from him? Uh 335. Right, but so at the, the same time, he's I mean it, it's tough to I mean if he if he had 14 home runs and an 840 OPS over the whole season. That would be something, wouldn't it?
1: Well, I don't know if they'd like that if he's only hitting 14 home runs next year.
2: Uh you will, uh, Andre's Blanco is going to be hard pressed to <laughs> repeat his uh 863 OPS 7 runs. Do you
1: know that he had more doubles? Than any player with uh, he had more doubles. See how many plate appearances did he have last year, Merv? Uh,
2: uh, two sixty one.
1: He had more doubles than any player with three hundred plate appearances or less last season. Andres he, Blanco. He had more awesome doubles. Awesome.
2: He, he had more doubles than the following players in the Phillies: uh, Jeff Franco, Freddie Galvis, Cesar Hernandez, Carlos Ruiz, and he had the same number of doubles as Michael Franco and Cody Ashey.
1: I, I you know so I wasn't watching the team as much last year, but. I was going back to some stats and talking to some scouts, and somebody mentioned to me. Go back and look at Andres Blanco's season and compare it to some others, and and uh, I yeah. couldn't believe it. I mean, I know he's very well liked in the clubhouse. He's he's come some to be a mentor for a lot of the Latino guys, and and uh, he's signed at one point four million this year. That's not bad. Maybe he ends up being traded. Who knows?
2: So what are we gonna? What are we? Uh, is Darren Ruff still anybody worth paying attention to?
1: This is the one storyline that hasn't changed. It just has so not long. gone
2: away.
1: <laughs> it's been a storyline for like three years. <laughs> but that's what the, it didn't
2: make sense to me. And again, I now I get this. The problem is now I get this reputation as being like a Darren Ruff guy. I like, just give him a chance and he'll sure turn right. into Mickey Mantle. But it, I just don't understand how we've gotten to this point where Gelb is back on the Phillies beat and we still are asking ourselves, can Darren Ruff play every day? Like, why? Why was he not playing first base last year?
1: Well, Ryan Sandberg wanted him to play first base, if you remember, in twenty fourteen, and kind of got short circuited. Not kind of, did get short circuited by the people above him, and that was very much a point of contention, especially for the manager. He was, he was not happy about that. So,
2: but then why last year? I just, I didn't, I didn't get that. I didn't get why, because Darren Ruff, again, for all his faults, even last year, seven fourteen OPS, twelve home runs, and two hundred ninety seven play prints. I mean, the guy. If you look at his. Like if you look at, he's the one guy in the, line, in the lineup at, that's actually hit
3: every. And he's
1: not a butcher at first base. He's actually okay there.
2: No, but he, I mean, he's
3: obviously going to play there a lot more now. Yeah. That Pete has. Pete was managing for a contract, so I don't think he wanted to really create and rough the waters up last year. Now he's got his contract. No
2: pun intended. He, what was the pun? Rough the rough oh, the waters Darren
3: up. And rough the waters. Yeah. So now. He can really Darren Ruff the Wooders
1: this year and put and play Ruff at first base. It's such an awkward situation. It really is. And it's it's yeah. a sad situation. It's sad.
2: Are we talking about Breen or are we talking about Darren Ruff?
1: Breen. We're talking about Ryan Howard.
2: Oh, oh okay.
1: It's sad. <laughs> I mean, it is truly sad. And, and, again, yes, the guy has got more money than he'll ever need and that he'll, his family will ever need. And so you can't feel that sad for him. But it's really sad the way this is just – unfolded on. because in any other situation he would have been gone you know like he would have been released or traded or somebody would have taken him you don't usually see a downfall like this happen in the same place for as long as it's happened and you know the problems with his family the problems now with the, the, the hgh allegations or whatever the, the pd is and uh, the injury problems this guy has basically lost everything but his money uh you know so you can't feel too bad for him but it is just sort of sad to see this guy was this guy was king of this city. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it never happened in this city before.
2: But. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's just weird that we're st- like again. This is the other situation that hasn't changed since you left. We're still talking about this. Um, I I would love to know if any any team. The problem is if you I, at one point, and I've done I, I did this. I think both the last two years, I went down every American League team and looked where he even could possibly represent an upgrade as a designated hitter, and there just weren't many spots, you know?
1: I, I'm really surprised, and I haven't – again, I'm getting back into this. I haven't talked to enough people to know fully, but I, I'm really surprised they didn't release him. I really am. I think, you know, they've turned the page in a lot of different areas and pretty much every area but this one, and uh, I'm, I'm surprised. Breen? Me too. I, I,
3: I think you – it's like that albatross or the elephant in the room. You know, you take him out of that clubhouse, and are you that much of a worse team without him? But now you can shift the gears of that clubhouse, and these young kids can fully become themselves, just like they did in two thousand five or six when they traded David Bell, and Mike Lieberthal, and turned the clubhouse over to Rollins and Utley.
1: What was he like in the clubhouse last year? Because I wasn't around. He was I mean. like
3: a guy in the room. You know, I'm sure he. Not that he wasn't, you know, a nice guy to his teammates and everything, but. He still is a presence. He still controls it. And now, once you get rid of Chase Utley, you get rid of Ryan Howard, you get rid of Jonathan Papelbon. it can become eventually J.P. Crawford's clubhouse and Aaron Altair and Nick Williams, and they can own it. And I think you start that this spring training if you would have gotten rid of Ryan Howard.
2: I think it's even more just like from from what you were saying, just from his uh, kind of putting yourself inside of his shoes. Like, it's just awkward for him you know and like last year like you said at least he, he had his boys last year. yeah at least he had some other vet, vets around but now like this year like everyone's like you know and he didn't have an all he wasn't he wasn't like adam john no, last year his like he right yeah they like, weren't
1: bad they weren't that bad
2: and you know maybe it's maybe we're making more of a big bigger deal out of it than it needs a baby because you know i mean again like he the few times i was there last year i mean he didn't see. He always seemed to take it very well, you know. Like he, he, never really, he didn't like sulk or anything like that, you know. And, and
1: look, Ryan Howard can turn to a positive this year. I mean, Klentak said he sat down with him, with with Howard and his agent around Thanksgiving. He said, you know, and this is Klentak, you know, telling us what happened. Right. And who knows what really happened or how Ryan Howard really truly feels because Howard does not talk a lot and is not really. And I understand. I get it. It's not his prerogative. But Klentak says Howard is is really positive and understands. Where he fits in, or what the approach is going to be this year, and, and can Ryan Howard sort of view it as like he is the he is the elder statesman, he is the man, you know, s- spanning two Phillies eras, and will he be a mentor or someone? I don't know. You know, we'll see how he we'll see how he reacts. I think, you know, it's gonna it's awkward. It's awkward for the manager, and you know this mm-hmm. guy, Pete McCannon is is you can tell treading lightly a little bit, but is at times it's sort of his real feelings sort of creep out and you can see that look he doesn't want to have to deal with this and And he shouldn't have to deal with it
2: and maybe you won't you know maybe they'll try maybe they'll hope he gets hot during spring training and try to you know just trade him so they can not even that you'll get anything but just trade him so you can say you didn't release him you know
1: what's amazing is that I think I tweeted this last week is that if the opening day lineup goes as about you would think it would you could have Ryan Howard making 25 million dollars at first base and the other eight players on the field for the Phillies making a total of seven million. That's crazy. See, it, t- it tells you a lot about what's the, the opening day of baseball, payroll. But
2: what's the opening day payroll?
1: It'll be under a hundred, I think. I mean, it, there's different ways of accounting for it, obviously, but that is including Lee's buyout, twelve right. and a half million.
2: Uh, So, what about Cliff Lee? Is he is he uh, on anybody's radar? Is he trying to pitch? Some
1: there was guys, a lot. Right? There was a lot of mixed signals about him. I'm, I will be shocked if Cliff Lee throws a pitch for anybody this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can't believe he didn't have surgery. But Cliff Lee also always struck me as a guy who, like, whatever, man, I'll go hunt. I don't need to play. He
1: always struck me as a guy too who just roll out of bed possibly and yeah. throw a complete game tomorrow. So maybe he does throw a pitch for somebody. But I, it seems like there was a lot of chatter early, you know, early in the offseason. season. Oh, Cliff Lee's looking to make a comeback. Yeah. Cliff Lee, you know, always looking for two year deal. And now it's like Cliff Lee not ready to pitch.
2: Yeah,
3: I wouldn't be surprised if he joins like a contender in August or July. Yeah, that's, that would be a great story. That's that a smart
1: move instead of why go to spring training?
2: Yeah, or his elbow just could be shot. That's you know,
1: true. yeah, it could be too. He doesn't want to go through a whole season screw it. You know,
2: I mean, he's made his he's he's made a heck of a lot of money. He's
1: made a lot of what we would call fu money <laughs> for this podcast. So.
2: Yes, on that note,
1: and he'll still make a lot of it this year from the Phillies. He'll be the highest paid member of the starting rotation.
2: Do you think he gets does he, like does he get that every couple of weeks like a paycheck?
1: the buyout is a lump sum because they had to pay some of it at a certain point i'm gonna guess that they had to write them a pretty big ass check
2: i wouldn't get direct deposit i would i would want the checks mailed to me
1: (laughs) i gotta tell you there's nothing better in spring training than uh than when players are running up to get meal money because players don't get paid during spring training. they don't get their salaries in spring training so i mean woe is me but all they get is this meal money every week once a week and and uh kinda
2: of and you see Ryan Howard walking out with his meal money yeah. next to Mario Hollins, who's like <laughs> paying rent with it. But yeah, it's, so anyway, it's uh I think I think uh I think we're on the same page. I think it's gonna be a, a at the very least an interesting season. Um it sounds like you guys have your housing accommodations all taken care of. Yeah, so um, I'm gonna head on the beach this year. February eighteenth, is that when you're flying down? February or seventeenth? Sixteenth.
1: flying down to sixteenth. Pitchers and catchers report on the seventeenth. And the first workout is February eighteenth.
2: Okay. So you're so the first availability is on February seventeenth.
1: Believe know. so. Yes.
2: We're gonna be we're gonna be tearing it up.
3: Can't wait.
1: Spring training. I go to bed at like nine o'clock. Oh spring yeah. Training.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean the clubhouse opens at what, eight a.m. So you have to be there by seven thirty. Minor league at seven a.m. Minor league at seven a.m. And Matt Breen. Is, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but Matt Breen was recently inducted into the Minor League Baseball uh, Beat Writer Hall of Fame. It's
1: not a bad place to be. That's where all the interesting stories were last year. And there's exactly. a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, still a lot of interesting stories there this year.
2: If you, uh, you, you can actually go down to Barnes & Noble and buy best, the best American Minor League Baseball Philadelphia Phillies affiliate so, so sports So you'll writing? have us
1: back. All the TV cameras will be there for the Star Starspring training for opening day. And then you'll have us back. Like last week of May to talk about the number one overall pick because that that is that that, yeah. that is basically the big yeah mile mile yeah. marker. I mean, I'm going to be
2: down there for the first couple of weeks, and then yeah, I mean, if something happens, you know, if, if Ryan Howard gets cut, I'll call. We'll call you guys up. Sealski, I'm sure we'll have plenty of questions for Wait, you. Wait, I had one more question before yeah. we
1: leave, and I know, I know, it's quick. Does Aaron Nola start opening day?
2: I was thinking about that the other yes. day. You think definitely,
1: absolutely. Okay. I he, think so. And he would be the I believe if my research is correct, the youngest pitcher to ever start an opening day for the Philadelphia Phillies. Wow. Good stat.
2: That is a good stat. Yeah, it. I mean I I was thinking about that. I mean, the only reason he wouldn't is I don't Yeah, why? Just do it. Yeah, I don't know why he wouldn't. You don't want him pitching against other number
3: one. Whatever,
1: just nine, do it. Cares. Well, I the mean, the, kind of it's of more. Energy. It's more, and it's embogged. Does Aaron yeah, Nola exactly. deserve to be the number one right now? No, yeah. absolutely not. But guess what? He's sort of like the torch bearer for this yeah. new Phillies, yeah. and and uh, you know, he he could start opening day April 4, and that would be less than two years. He was in college less than you know on April 4th two years ago. <laughs> does opening
2: day
3: lineup to start the home opener. Did you do that math? Oh, I don't
2: know. That's what I think he's gonna. You know what? Actually. I think he'll start the home. It, it, are they open on the road or at home. Six
1: home, six road games right? with an off day. With an off day, so seven days. I think
2: that he will start the home opener, and I think they'll line him up for that.
1: Yeah, who cares? Who cares about the home opener?
2: I think they care because it'll be the one time the TV cameras are there, and it's like a lot more. It's it, you don't want to throw Charlie Morton out there. No, no offense. How that's another irony. Kyle
1: Kendrick did start a lot of home openers.
2: That, that's another irony. Yes, you're right.
1: Joe Roa started the home opener. Kyle Kendrick is deaf. Joe
2: Roa. In his um,
1: All right, this
2: has gone too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Rogan. What up. was I going to say? Ah, well, whatever. Let's wrap it up. Uh, this was this was uh, informative, yes? I hope so. Okay. Matt Gelb, Matt Breen, Philadelphia beat writers for the Philadelphia Inquirer and, I guess, the Daily News. Um, Philadelphia.
1: Philadelphia Inquirer, the Daily News,
2: and Philly.com. And Philly.com. And I am David Murphy. Uh, I just kind of do whatever. So.